0: From Ford Direction, LLC, it's the You Should Listen podcast, a show that intersects sports, business, fashion, and hip hop culture. We draw on experiences from influential people who have carved out a name in their respective creative space. We hope you pick up a few gems along the way. Thanks for tuning in. experiential marketing is a marketing technique that creates experiences between brands and consumers wouldn't it be cool if your job was to create memorable experiences for fans while at the same time helping to build brand awareness well that's what jasmine mccrawford does she's a marketing maven at a global lifestyle agency that lives at the intersection of sports entertainment and lifestyle culture this week she drops a lot of gems on how to create an authentic experience enjoy Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat. I have the one and only Jasmine McCrawford. Um, Jasmine, go ahead and give the fans and listeners a hello out there.
1: Hi, everyone. How are you?
0: Great, great, great. Um, Thanks again for joining us during this timeout, uh, as I call it. I don't really want to call it a lockdown because I feel like timeouts are temporary. So we're going to get to go back outside eventually. What do you think?
1: For sure. Definitely a a 30-second
0: timeout. No big deal. There we go. There we go. Cool, cool. So Jasmine is in the marketing, sports, and entertainment space. So today, she's going to share some jewels on what it's like to be a creative and working in that space. Absolutely. Nice, nice. So for the people that are out there listening, can you kind of give us a background? Who is Jasmine?
1: Um, So I am a marketing maven. That's like the preferred term that I like. Um, I have spent the last 10 years um either observing others or working in the marketing industry specifically within the realm of sports um I'm a New York City native so go Yankees that's like the best thing to ever be said <laughs> uh, um but yeah born and raised in New York I went to college in Temple at Temple University in Philadelphia Pennsylvania um and then stayed in Philly for a little bit worked at Temple in their athletic department mostly uh marketing their revenue generating sports so men's and women's basketball uh, and football and then left philly uh to leave the college realm alone and, and play some professional ball so um, spent the next couple of years freelancing and and working um among some of the biggest professional teams and and sporting events in in the country and now i work for a marketing agency
0: Nice, nice. Um, And obviously you have that familiarity with sports. I have to ask, do you you have an athletic background uh, growing up or what's the attraction or allurance to uh, or being allured to sports?
1: Yeah. So I can't really uh, in in good conscience claim that I'm an athlete. Um, (laughs) I stopped playing basketball when I was 13 years old because I (laughs) am a proud five foot one uh, woman and everyone else kept growing. So that just wasn't my thing. Uh, But I did switch over to dance, and and I'm more creative in how I express myself, but I've always been competitive, um, and I think that drive of uh, competition and and seeing how athletes kind of work in that way has connected me with sports, but I've always been a fan of the game, always been a fan of basketball, huge baseball fan, um, and just sports in general.
0: Nice. So being from New York, um, how are you a basketball fan? Do you all have a professional team, or how does that work?
1: Being from New York, we have two of every team. Um,
0: okay.
1: with, with basketball specifically, I am—that that is my one outlier. So I <laughs> am a diehard Los Angeles Lakers fan. I've been a Laker fan since 96.
0: There we go. <laughs> but
1: I, I have to specify that these days because, you know, we've, we've had some additions to our team that make us even greater. But, you know, been a loyal fan since 96. But everything else is New York all the way.
0: Cool, cool. And I guess just piggybacking off of that, obviously you being a true New Yorker, I'm just moving here in January. I I feel like it's, I don't really run into many people that are actually born and raised here. So what is it about growing up here that kind of makes you all, I guess, go-getters and very competitive in that sense?
1: Yeah, growing up in New York, it's a, I thought it was a fun experience. I never saw anything weird or or abnormal about it until I met people from other places. Um, But yeah, you just, you gain a level of street smarts, you learn how to maneuver in a a certain way, and you you operate with an internal level of like hustle and grind um, embedded in you. So I think that's what kind of makes native New Yorkers a little bit different and unique in that way.
0: Nice. Uh, Just curious, do you drive or have you driven a car before? That might be a silly question. (laughs)
1: So it's not a silly question. Um, Most New Yorkers, native New Yorkers do not drive. Um, Most of my friends didn't even have a driver's license uh, ever. Like some just have a state ID, but I do drive. I learned, my dad was very adamant about teaching me how to drive when I was young, like letting me steer when I was five, drive around the parking lot when I was 13. And then by the time I turned 16, I got my license and I've been driving every day since
0: nice nice yeah I actually just sold my car so I do not miss driving I'm sure I will <laughs> at some point but right now I'm enjoying this uh well I was enjoying this um transportation but I'm in lockdown right now so we'll see um time out. so yeah exactly time out my fault <laughs> so I wanted to rewind a bit um I know you were talking about your education at Temple did you go there for undergrad I know you went to graduate school as well did you go there for both
1: yeah so I went to Temple for undergrad it was my first choice. Um, and stayed there for four years. So I started as an athletic training major. So same, same tie in. Like I knew I wanted to work in sports in some capacity. Um, and at the time, all I knew was like athletic training. I was like either athletic training or an agent and I didn't want to be an agent. Um, so I, I switched my major to public relations and started working more on, on that side. But after graduation, um, my mentor, she worked in our athletic department and, um, She was leaving her role, so the opportunity opened up, and I was hired uh, to fill her role. And um, part of the opportunity came with free tuition at Temple, so I got a master's degree while I was there.
0: Nice, nice. Two birds and one stone. Two birds. There you go. So uh, how do you feel like that prepared you, I guess, to step into the professional working space, each of those degrees?
1: I think that um, any undergraduate degree, teaches you a certain level of discipline and how to like, navigate um, with deadlines and, and working in teams and all those things um, from the master's degree standpoint. I, the the biggest thing I have to take away from my program was that it gave me a very very strong network of people within the sports industry, uh, which I am super grateful for and super appreciative of. Like every one of my very first opportunities were some way in t- uh, tied to Temple, which um, the professors there, the alumni there, the administration there, they do a really good job of maintaining close connections with the existing students and the alumni groups. So my master's degree, I definitely attribute to why I am where I am and the people that I know within the sports industry.
0: Nice. And I heard you uh, obviously giving those big shout outs to um, Temple University and working in a college space. How were you able to transition from basically working in college athletics to working for either professional teams or for different marketing agencies?
1: Um, so, so Temple was unique in a lot of ways where we didn't have a home football field in the traditional sense. Our mm-hmm. home field was the home field of the Philadelphia Eagles. So in working football games and, and marketing there and, and our event production there, I got to lo- learn a lot about the Eagles staff and how they ran their business. Um, similarly with our, our basketball games, we played a lot of games at the Sixers home stadium. We do have our own field but or own court, but we played a lot there. Um, and same thing, learning how they operate on their ship Um, and so seeing those those distinctions and seeing um, what was possible in the marketing realm especially through basketball and football um, I just I just kind of associated myself with the right people and said okay like how do you do your job and then once I learned like what their job consisted of that's when I decided to make a pivot to the professional space and and I was felt like I was equipped to do so.
0: Nice and I know that's obviously a very action racial job that people look up to that are kind of on the outside what is it actually like working for a professional sports team or working in the actual for a professional sports league
1: um so the one thing that I was surprised by is how siloed things are um like I worked for the Knicks the Rangers and the Liberty for a season and in that time I realized like the sales team um, is selling in, in, in tickets, but like our sponsorship team also has some sort of connection uh, to what that ticket holder experience is like. And then um, our concessionaires are tied in, in some capacity too, but everyone kind of operates in their own lane. Whereas in the college space, like I wore all different hats. So I worked with the ticket sales team. I worked with the uh, facilities group. I worked with, um, the the boosters and that, that sort of thing so understanding how siloed professional sports were or are um, and knowing that if I work in sponsorship events I may not even touch digital marketing but in my world the two kind of exists hand in hand or or, or complementary of each other so learning how siloed they were was really a big surprise.
0: Nice it definitely sounds like you gained a lot of inside and industry experience um to kind of be the marketing maven you are today and your opinion just curious what is it you think that makes a brand stick or an event pop or ticket sell for let's say the next sporting event
1: i think that it's important for a brand to be authentic um so understanding why people enjoy your brand and what is it about the brand or the team or the or the event that draws people in so if it's like Broccoli City Music Festival that happened in D.C., like, people came there because it was it was grassroots, it was still, like, a cool lineup, and it was still authentic. It wasn't as big as, like, a Coachella or anything like that. Um, and you still felt like you were at home and you would see your friends and you know that, like, it was an authentic experience. And that's what, what people flocked to. Um, so uh, if brands can identify what their true identity is and why people like them, and capitalize on why people like them and and make sure their content is driven toward that reason, um, they're going to win nine times out of ten.
0: Nice. And I know you mentioned uh, Broccoli City Festival. I've been to that a few times. Just curious, are there any other events or brands that kind of stick out that are going about reaching out to fans and customers the right way by building out that authentic um, relationship?
1: I think that from, like, a sports standpoint, I think NBA All-Star does a great job. I had the opportunity to attend my first one this year and like as a, a basketball fan and, and a, a fan of the industry, like seeing it from the outside I thought it was well done. And then when it came to New York I got to see it from like a distance, how how done how well done it was. Um but mm-hmm. being involved in it and ingrained in the event elements, um, I think that's one event where they understand that they have a wide variety of different like consumers that are looking for different things and they create um, pockets for all of those groups to be satisfied and have a positive experience with their brand.
0: Nice yeah I definitely agree I had the chance to attend um, All Star for the first time back in 2018 when they were in Charlotte North Carolina and I just remember some of the activation events and getting to speak with some of the former NBA players and some of the actual brand leaders that were there. It was just kind of very refreshing and cool to see people doing something that they're passionate about.
1: Yeah. I love when brands get it done right.
0: Exactly. Me too. Me too. Um, so obviously you say you attended that event and you had a good time. Um, are there, Can you tell us about some of the projects that you, that you've worked on that you're proud of that you had that moment, like, damn, I really did this.
1: Um, One of my proudest moments, uh was actually within the soccer space. So I, at at my role with uh, MKTG, my marketing agency that I work with now, we had a very long-standing relationship with Wells Fargo Bank, managing um, their national events and their festivals and tours, but we also um, had a hold on their golf sponsorships and their soccer sponsorships. And my team, uh, we managed their soccer sponsorships for a number of years, and um, like we were kind of like keeping the ball afloat for a while and just like our client was not really risky with a lot of the things that they were doing until they hit like a snag, um, in public perception and a lot of those things. Um, so we had to pivot how we marketed to their fans. So, um, my team was tasked with like, all right, let's come up with something new. We have limited budget, but we need to make a bigger and better impact. Um, So we we got together, we created um, like a really cool, authentic play on a Mexican game called Loteria. It's like a Mexican bingo, slash solitaire. Um, And we, instead of like playing it like with like a deck of cards, like on a table with a group of people, we amplified it so that it was able to have like 11 people on each team, similar to like a soccer team makeup Um, and we did this at the Mexican National Home Games in the U.S. and um, like there's one like hero shot that we have of one team playing against another team in Southern California outside of the coliseum and like fans were engaged they loved it they were cheering for their favorite player like if they selected the right card they would like jump up for joy and there was this <laughs> this man he was like in his like late 40s early 50s and he was there with his son and his son picked the winning card that like won them a prize and their entire team is like jumping in the air and we had we got that photo and so that moment was like yo we we did something really amazing we did something really incredible and my client was happy. The fans are happy. The partnership team at MLS was happy. So we, it was a win for me for sure.
0: That's cool. That definitely sounds like a a dope interactive um experience. And hats off for actually pulling that off. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, so obviously you've mentioned the human interaction. It sounds like you travel quite a bit and going to these live events. But from your, I guess, viewpoint or your vantage point, what is it about? sports specifically that attracts people to want to work in that industry?
1: I think that oftentimes people are attracted because it creates a sense of nostalgia for them or it ties them to a positive experience that they've had in their lifetime. Like a lot of people know where they were when their team won the World Series or a lot of people know how it felt to um, see your favorite player hit that buzzer beater um, and, and those feelings don't go away or and those feelings aren't easily forgotten. Um, so I think that a lot of people work in sports because they love sports. Um, and then I think the folks that love sports um, and that are really good at their job work in it because they know the power and the influence that sports has on others. And it's mm-hmm. you are someone that works in sponsorship, knowing how to amplify the sponsorships to affect those people. Or if you work in uh, ticket sales and like how how you can make someone's year or family tradition with that season ticket packet, or even from like a community standpoint, um, like the grassroots efforts of like an NBA Cares or individual player foundations, like the impact that they can have on a local community or a group overall um, is really powerful.
0: Gotcha. Definitely, definitely agree. And I wanted to kind of backtrack for those that are listening out there. What is grassroots marketing just at a high level?
1: Uh, Grassroots marketing is when an organization or just a group in general um, goes into a community um, and and makes it like a one-to-one interaction, like a a hand-to-hand interaction. Um, So whether it's like painting a rec room at a local boys and girls club or kind of being on the ground and, and and showing up in a tangible way for uh communities or or even like flyers on a poster board like whatever it is depending on your budget can look very different but it's like a hand-to-hand making an impact that you can directly see
0: there we go appreciate that and i and i heard you mention um obviously being a fan of sports sometimes draws people to want to work in the industry. Mm-hmm. And what I've and what I personally experienced as I make the transition into the industry myself is just that trying to convey that just because I'm a fan, I actually have the business acumen and the wherewithal to actually conduct business and help out an organization or a league. So from, from that standpoint, what skill set do you think is needed to thrive in the industry?
1: Yeah, um, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It definitely you definitely have to be more than a fan. Um, I think the people that are best at their jobs are the ones that can take their fan hat off. So um, mm-hmm. being like working in a soccer space where I was unfamiliar with the sport, unfamiliar with the game, but I know the affinity that fan like fandom creates um, helped me because mm-hmm. I had no vested interest in. Um, the players that we were working with or the teams that they were playing, it's like there was no tie-in for me, but understanding that the people that were going to the matches and, and paying for their tickets, they had that feeling that I have about basketball or about the Yankees or whatever it may be. Um, so as far as like a skill set to work in this in, in sports, understanding what your craft is and what your skill set is. So if you are great at digital marketing, um, n- being the best at that skill and then applying it into a sports context. Um, or if you're, you are a great salesperson, being a great salesperson and then applying that to a sports context. Um, I think if you lead more with the fandom and lead for your passion for the sport, um, it's already putting you two steps behind the best that are in the industry already.
0: Yeah, That's deep. Yeah, definitely appreciate that. Um, obviously, like you said, you, you have almost a decade of experience within the sports entertainment industry. What is it like being uh, a person of color, um, a black woman, basically in the sports entertainment space? I know when obviously we watch these sports, whether it's football or basketball, oftentimes the players look like us, but most people will be surprised in these meetings in these boardrooms, nine times out of 10, the people that are kind of shot calling and, and making the decisions, they're not generally a, a person of yeah. color. Can you kind of elaborate so on I that? I think
1: the question is sort of twofold for me. Um, Being a person of color and being a black woman in the industry. So um, to your point about like the representation of people of color, that is, Truly, not the case. Um, a majority of the time, I've been fortunate recently, where a lot of the rooms that I were that I'm in um, do have like great representation of all types of people and all types of backgrounds. So senior level experience, junior level experience, and they all have like diverse backgrounds in in race, gender, ethnicity, all that sort of stuff. Um, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: like on the on the college room, if it wasn't myself. The players or the like immediate coaching staff you did not have any any people of color represented um but I will say that there is um a lot of women uh, which I can appreciate and I think that the tide is kind of the direction of the tide is turning now because as I start to see a lot more organizations put an emphasis on diversity, you see a little bit more representation. It's still not great. It's still not, um, reflective of the world at, at large, but you do see like vested interests from the bigger leagues, like the NFL making a huge push to diversify MLB making a huge push to diversify the NBA making already maintaining a huge push to diversify. Um, Hockey uh, is a little bit different, but I do know that like they're they they are making diversity efforts, um, but it, it is challenging when I enter a room and I'm the only person that looks like me or the only person that has the vantage point that I do, um, especially when we're talking about players or um, consumers that look like me, and and you have people that are making decisions that are not always accurate, that are not always authentic. There, I, I've definitely been about part of conversations where people, um, are just missing the mark on why something is wrong, um, and be and having to be that voice that advocates on behalf of my community.
0: Nice, and and I think you hinted on it as well, um, but I was gonna ask you to elaborate. Um, I follow agent Nicole Lynn, who's one of the biggest um, NFL agents at the time. And I was listening to a podcast. I'm not sure which one where she was talking about not just having a seat at the table, but also having a voice. So how do you go about making sure, like you said, that, that your presence is felt in these meeting rooms?
1: This is where I think being an extrovert lends itself to my advantage. Um, okay. You you just just have to speak up and not be afraid. Um, I know I've seen other folks that are a little bit more timid to approach senior leadership or um, hesitant to to make a comment or ask a question during a meeting. Um, And for me, I've never been that way. Like, I I don't look at it as I'm speaking to a CEO. I feel like I'm speaking to a person. And as long as my opinion is educated and informed and and thoughtful and strategic, um, and I'm not just saying something just for the sake of saying it, Um, I feel like my voice is valid. Um, There are people that try to silence your voice and and, um, put measures in place so that you don't feel like you have those opportunities. But um, my challenge to others in similar positions or positions that I've been in is to not let that deter you as long as your your thoughts and opinions are, like I said, they're thoughtful, they're smart, they're well-researched, and you have something positive and impactful to contribute, feel free to speak up.
0: Jasmine has shared a lot of insight. Building an authentic connection and creating memorable experiences is what makes people flock to their favorite brands. Brands get it right when they're able to identify what resonates with fans and what will keep them coming back. But that connection isn't built overnight. If you're interested in creating memorable content and have an idea that you want to turn into a story, let me know. 4 Direction LLC is a full house publishing agency that can help you get your story out. Check out the website, ladenwilliams.com for more information. Now back to our convo. Nice. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that. And I also definitely agree that you are extroverted. <laughs> um, yeah. So with that being said, going to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about this, uh, this club quarantine, the, the whole build out and the, and the process concept behind that. So, Can you share for the people that are out there listening again what Club Quarantine is and how you, the thought process behind it?
1: So, um, in the midst of all of the COVID-19 coronavirus um, pandemic that has, like, taken over the world, um, I live in New York City, and it has hit us hardest and hit us first from a U.S. standpoint. Um, So, with that being said, like, a lot of people were forced to stay inside and and me being an extrovert, like I wanted to connect with my friends and I wanted to hang out. And um, so club quarantine uh, is a virtual party where can, where people can come together, have a good time, listen to music, talk, laugh, dance, and, and just connect. Um, And it started out as a, so club quarantine started out as a joke, essentially, Ah, uh, one of my one of my friends from college. She posted a meme on Instagram, um, saying something to the effect of like, we should have a virtual party um, since we can't go outside and have a real one. And I'm paraphrasing. So myself and mm-hmm. another friend of ours from college, we both responded to her within like. 60 seconds of her posting it and said let's do this and like we and so we created a little group chat once we found out that we were all saying the same thing um, and I I took it and ran with it so uh, I, I, I developed um, a zoom link I, I figured out a name and a hashtag and all this stuff and we we just started out as just inviting our friends we, we made a flyer. Um, And we invited our friends, and uh, when we started hearing conversation about it, we started seeing, like, our flyer pop up on people's Instagrams that we didn't know, Um, and so we had our first party, and there was about 60 people that showed up, uh, which was, like, five times what we expected. Um, And so once I saw the response and there was like a room full of people that I did not know, um, that's when my marketing uh, light bulb turned on and I said, okay, well, let me, let me market this. Let me package it. Um, So I created a social media page for it, um, email. I even took it as far as to create an LLC and and put a trademark application in for a lot of the stuff that we're doing um, and and press go. And thankfully... um, we have seen a lot of growth over the last two and a half weeks that we've been hosting parties. We're almost, we're at around 700 Instagram followers. We have about um, 30 people to 60 people constantly at our parties um, every time we throw them. And then our engagement on social media is super impressive. Anytime we post a flyer um, for every two likes that we get, we get one share. So that's uh, like, every two people, one out of every two people are sharing our information to their network. Um, so it's it's grown to be something really cool and really fun and way more than what we ever expected from one Instagram meme.
0: Nice. Yeah, I definitely like the thought process behind it and more impressive than that. I, I like the metrics that you were just spitting out. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool concept and I was wondering if you had thought about trademarking um, club quarantine. Before I got the invite, I had never even heard of the concept of like a a virtual Mm -hmm. party or whatnot but then now i feel like it's just like pretty much everywhere so
1: we um because a lot of like government offices are closed and things like that i do have um an llc created for club quarantine um and i have submitted a trademark application for it um but as things move quickly like dj d nice has has created, like, a couple hundred thousand followers on his Instagram DJing platform, which was nicknamed Club Quarantine yeah. after ours was created. Um, exactly. There have yep. been a few others that have, like, taken it and run with it. Um But, yeah, so I, I I can gladly say that I was one of the first to kind of make it official. Um And when the dust settles and, and things kind of net out during this quarantine process we can hopefully continue it to be something really cool
0: yeah and a term i saw earlier on twitter i think it was late last night was the quarantine renaissance and how all of these ideas are being sparked or brought to light during this um during this time out so with that being said are there any other projects or ideas that are that are up your sleeve that you're yeah, kind of working so, on right now um,
1: with club quarantine like i have before before the quarantine has started, I have been representing um, two brands on my own and like helping them grow their like sponsorships, their online presence, and just their strategic marketing efforts across the board. Um, one of which is a Olympic hopeful. Now I have to say that again, unfortunately, because the Olympics have been moved, but she was um on track to be an Olympian for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, but now we've shifted. So we're going to put her back in the hopeful category. Um, So I manage all of her like Mm -hmm. digital marketing and efforts um, for her brand. Um, And then there is uh, like a Renaissance man down in Miami. He does life coaching and um, styling and a lot of other things. Uh, So yeah, club quarantine has been like a really great Guinea pig for me to flex my marketing muscles a little bit. Um, And I'm looking to do it on a bigger scale with people that have things that they want packaged and things that they want um, to see a return on investment from in a marketing space or in a digital space. And now I have like a guinea pig of my own that I own uh, with Club Quarantine that can say like, hey, these are the metrics that I can provide for you and let's let's work.
0: Nice. So it definitely sounds like you're a jack, maybe (laughs) a queen of all trades and... Definitely pretty busy. Sounds like you're, you're the ghost of um club quarantine, like yeah, here with truth on um, yeah. power. So I know that keeps <laughs> you, yeah, that keeps you busy. You're nine to five. Sounds like you have some other marketing projects. So how do you juggle all of these projects and initiatives you have going on, and when do you find time? for That yourself?
1: is a wonderful question. Um, so part of the reason why one of my clients is a life coach is because I like I need I need help organizing my life. So I
0: um. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> we all. Did, we all do. I live
1: by a planner, so I have a a physical book and my laptop and my cell phone. Like organizes my life, so that's how I keep it all on track. Um, and I I made a promise to myself two years ago to to make sure that I do something that I enjoy. So I've, I've I'm a dancer. I write poetry, I DJ, so I love music, so I create music playlists, like all those things. I make sure that I incorporate them into my daily routine so that I have something that fuels me and excites me, even though my work does that as well. Um, and then mm-hmm. the one thing I will say, which is unfortunate, and this is not a tip for your listeners, I don't get much sleep. Uh, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and even oh, though... Uh... Yeah, okay, even Kevin in Gates. the midst of quarantine <laughs> and, like, everyone's working from home and, and supposed to be relaxing, like, I go to bed at, like, 4 a.m. and then I wake up at, like, 8 a.m. and then start my day all over again. So, if anything I can improve on today, it would be finding more time to sleep.
0: Gotcha. I think a better question would have been, what is it that, something that you do not do?
1: Something that I don't do. think that would have been a, a better
0: um, question. Yeah, cuz you literally really sound you do it all.
1: Uh, so <laughs> um, yeah, things I I don't play basketball, that's the one thing I don't do. Um but if you challenge <laughs> me to like a like a free throw contest, I I will give you a run for your money. Uh, <laughs> there we go. yeah, there so there there's not go. A, there's not a lot that I I don't do. Um and like like I said, for me, it's all about being authentic. I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not. So if you ask me, hey, Jasmine, we want you to sing uh, the national anthem, not happening. My vocal is not there. But if you <laughs> want me to dance to someone else singing it, I got you. I can do that. Uh, so, yeah, just learning what my strengths are, learning um, what I'm good at and, and trying to do it all in the time that I have on this earth.
0: Nice. And staying busy, obviously, is something something you're good at and also being productive. How do you... What inspires you when, let's say, it's raining outside, you're, you're kind of tired, you have a lot of projects, or you have a lot of stuff to do at work, but you don't necessarily feel like working on it? What inspires you? Um, what
1: drives you? So I'll give you the, the most authentic and transparent answer that, that I come up with. Uh, so for me, okay. I spent when i moved back to new york and was working professionally i was essentially a freelancer so i had to go out and like fight for contracts i had to go and network my butt off and like meet as many people as i could um so that i had some sort of income coming in and i remember there were days like where i just like didn't know where my next contract was coming in from I didn't know if I was gonna land a job I didn't know like where all that was coming from and so I would be in my room or in my apartment or in my car driving or whatever and like like pray and think like I I can't wait to get to where I want to be and I'm I'm not gonna give up and I'm not gonna take um those when I get to where I want to be I'm not gonna take those opportunities for granted um and so for me now, if I'm like, oh, like it's it's Tuesday, it's raining, I don't want to go to the office or, oh man, I got to catch this flight. Like, what am I going to do? I don't really feel like packing. I try to like draw on those times where I was a freelancer and I, I was like waiting for this moment that I'm in now and waiting for the moment that where I feel like I've started to make it or whatever make it looks like for you. And for me, like, I know that 2014 Jasmine would have killed for this opportunity so 2020 Jasmine can't take it for granted so that's always been my motivation.
0: Nice it's nice that you can draw on those experiences and use those as fuel to your fire to kind of keep going um outside of I guess looking back on those days when you were um, freelancing, is there any music or people you reach out to? Uh, I think you earlier mentioned that you had a mentor that you can kind of, or do you have like a group chat, <laughs> a support system? That yes. You kind of so, um,
1: anyone that's ever kind of seen me in a social environment knows that I have like two dozen pools of friends, like, so a friend from college, a friend group, a friend <laughs> group from church, like all kinds of stuff. Um, so yes, my group chats are, uh, hilarious, but they they kind of keep remind me to, that things aren't always like life or death emergencies. Like I can laugh, I can joke, and I can have a good time. So my friends are definitely um, a source of um, empowerment for me and like making me relax. Um, love music, so I if right now I think at one point I had to count um, out of a dare. I have over like two hundred and fifty custom playlists that I've created. So. It's for almost any type of mood you could want. It's like, hey, I'm going uh on a morning run playlist, or hey, it's three AM leaving the club playlist. Or uh it's uh I need some inspiration to kill this project playlist. Like so music is definitely a fuel for me. Um and yeah, I, I try to be very mindful uh of like Prayer and, and like motivational texts. And like I said, I have a life coach that kind of like sends me uh, affirmations every day. So all that type of stuff is what kind of keeps me centered and focused.
0: Nice. And uh, just curious, what's on your playlist or your day to day as far um, as? So I
1: music? love Luke James. I think his voice is incredible. Okay. Um,
0: is that, that, that uh? Is
1: that the the play dude to play Johnny Gill? Oh, he is. He Hell needs cry. to be heard more cool. and more. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, th- I like a lot of like random artists. So there's an artist, Bino French, from Philly. He's been, uh, I've been a fan of his for maybe six or seven years now. Uh. Yeah, D Smoke is somebody that I've been listening to recently. I like his stuff. Rhapsody, I love her stuff. J. Cole. Um, can I can always press J. Cole and, and be happy and find my my, my zen space. Um, but yeah, like One Hit wonders nice. from the 90s and early 2000s are, are my happy place. And I'll round it out with like an OG uh, Stevie Wonder.
0: There we go. There we go. That sounds like you have a a very good taste palette kind of have something from each genre. So definitely have some good taste. Yeah. Cool. Um, as we wrap things up, what is your advice or recommendation for someone listening out there that wants to work in a creative space such as marketing?
1: So advice, um, know your strengths. So if you are not a creative person, I definitely suggest you pivot. Um, but if you are like, we live in a an age where you don't necessarily need a cosign from a big brand or a big league if you can create a buzz on your own and and like flex those creative muscles on your own go for it uh so whether it's you have a nine to five and you're looking for outlets to be more creative find a way to make your job fun and and make it marketable to yourself so that they know that hey um Our intern Ashley on the marketing team is killing it. She's coming up with all these new ideas or whatever. Or, uh, John in marketing for whatever he's doing, like, is killing it and creating all these new ways. That's what what got me to stand out and got people to advocate for me and, and help me move mountains. Um, so being able to tap into your resources, even if it's if you don't feel like you have the power or the authority to. Create the ideas, share them, uh, make them real, uh, and and go from there.
0: Nice, and I think the biggest takeaway that I have just from our conversation is I really like your emphasis on flexing your creative muscles. Absolutely. If
1: you you got to hope. show them more,
0: yeah, if you haven't trademarked, <laughs> exactly if you haven't trademarked it, I might uh, I have to I put a bid in for that. Someone today.
1: else, so go ahead, yeah. figure it out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cool, cool. Um, yeah, and I think I also wanted to ask, uh, clearly, because we're in this timeout right now, what do you think the future of marketing looks like, specifically pertaining to sports and entertainment? Um,
1: I think that space? anyone who ever doubted digital marketing is eating their words. Like that's the one, the one thing that this whole timeout has shown that people can galvanize in ways online than. Uh, anyone could have ever expected. Like the fact that we have virtual parties and cooking clubs and book clubs and mom groups and whatever it might be, like family reunions I know are being had on online and birthday wow. parties and like all types of wow. stuff. Um, I do think that like I work in experiential marketing. So I do think that there is something that um, to be said about being Face to face and human interaction, because we're all even craving it now that we're in this timeout. Uh, but I think that coming mm-hmm. out of this, there is going to be a lot of creative things done online and a lot of new outlets for people to to show themselves and their brands on through a screen.
0: Nice. Yeah, I definitely agree. Before this before the last <laughs> two weeks, I don't think I used them once. In the last three weeks I probably used it no lie more than
1: and I know at least probably Exactly. Exactly. I still
0: have a I still have a bone to pick with club quarantine. You know I was what? waiting outside have for about twenty minutes last bouncer week.
1: Bouncer so. and door woman. I can uh I can own up that we we've learned some things along the way. So there have been some long lines and, and waits, but we, we had a conversation with the bouncers and the security team, so everybody should be smooth right now.
0: <laughs> All right, sounds good, sounds good. So um before we um I guess get off this conversation, I want to put you in the hot seat for a second, just ask you Let's some questions. First question day party or after hours?
1: After hours, a hundred percent. That is without a doubt.
0: (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, group chat or group FaceTime?
1: Group FaceTime. Um, I need to see everyone's interactions when we have a conversation. Okay.
0: Million dollar question. Flats or drums?
1: Flats, flats, and more flats. No drums over here ever.
0: (laughs) Okay. I hear you. I think I'm on the same accord with that. Um, there we go. Yeah. Three people you would like to pregame with and why?
1: Um, Three people. First would be uh, Mr. Sean Combs, Diddy himself. One, he owns a lot of liquor and he knows how to party, so we'll put him in there. Um, number two would be uh, Taraji P. Henson, because she looks like she has a lot of fun and knows how to party. Um, and then lastly would be... Uh, my my personal branding icon, Miss Karen Civil.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a a dope pregame. Hopefully, I'll get the invite to that one. There we go. And last question: live music or live DJ?
1: Um, live music. There's an asterisk, but we'll go with live music. I love a good DJ, especially one that can blend well. That's what my ears train for. But um. I, there's nothing like hearing like percussion in front of you to like get you dancing. That's that's
0: where I'm going. Nice, yeah. I definitely appreciate a good DJ, but I don't think anything hits like like live music when you're out with your friends, kind of moving around. I think the live music set will definitely set it off.
1: Absolutely.
0: So I have to ask, what's the first thing that Jasmine's gonna do when this timeout is over?
1: Uh, when this timeout is over, I am going to see my friends i'm going to see my family i need brunch on the menu with bottomless mimosas like all of that has to happen but it's gonna happen in like the not not the original release party of all this like the 2.0 version once everything is settled and sanitized completely that's when i'm going out to hit the streets
0: it sounds like sounds like a good idea definitely gonna do that as well i feel like once they raise the I guess the bar sort of speak. that Everyone's gonna rush to go outside, so definitely want to play it safe.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: Yeah. And last, how can people get connected with you to kind of stay in the know? Whether it's with your um, events or with club quarantine, how can they kind of follow your social media handles?
1: Um, So to follow what's happening with Club Quarantine, we are on Instagram at TheClubQuarantine, all spelled correctly. Um, And then for me personally, on most handles, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you can find me at Jazz, J-A-Z-Z-M-C-E-M-C-E-E.
0: Okay, cool. Thanks again for joining us, and I'm going to leave you the last few seconds or so to any words of wisdom or recommendations for the fans out there listening.
1: Um, one, keep listening. That's the one, the most important part. And two, uh, be your authentic self in whatever you do.
0: Sounds good. Thanks again, Jasmine, and we will be in touch. Thank you. All right, we're out, y'all.